Master Tavern Keepers, History of the Old World. And so, before Jafar could march north to take the spice city of Kofa, he needed to subjugate the threat posed by the Sorcerer's Islands. And in order for his forces to reach them, he needed the ships of the Corsairs of Lashik. But uh, I thought he was in, uh, in charge of Lashik and in cahoots with the Corsairs. Ah, yes. Effectively, but not officially. There were still a good number of powerful political entities, individuals, guilds, and factions within the hierarchy of Lashik that opposed him. Ones that he could not openly move against without increasing his opponents. A number of these could easily and detrimentally interfere with any of his endeavours, and would certainly do so if it was perceived as impinging on the sovereignty of the city and the Sultanate, even though Jafar had the new Sultan of the city under his thumb. Oh, yeah, I see. Political intrigue at its best, eh? Ah, yes, indeed. However, Jafar was not a man to be easily thwarted, and it was at this point here that something took place that changed the course of the history of Araby. Now... There are two schools of thought with regard to what happened next, but perhaps I should ask this first. Have any of you heard of the attack on the Shining Dome of Lashik? Ach, no, I can't say that I have. What was that then? Well, at the time it was quite the story, told up and down the taverns of the old world. But such things are soon forgotten in a generation or so. The written histories we are so familiar with only tell us but a tiny fraction of what happened in ages past, leaving the gaps for each generation to fill with whatever tools they have to hand, be that tavern gossip, myth, folklore or imagination. The end result of these is thus an interpretation of the past through the lens of the telescope of today not a wholly accurate understanding of what truly took place. With such a small field of focus, it is easy for much to become lost to future generations. And the attack on the Shining Dome is perhaps one of these snippets of history that has fallen by the wayside and will probably disappear altogether from history once uh, the handful of people who are now aware of it shake off their mortal coils. But let us not go down this uh, path of conversation once more. And instead, let us talk of the attack, drawing on what we do know. The story as it was told to me back when I lived amongst the uh, nomadic Arabian Tuareg was thus. <laughs>
The famous shining dome of Lashique is located in the older northern part of the city, near the spacious square dedicated to Sultana Omara, within which stands a great bronze statue to the woman herself, and under whose gaze the most exclusive and unique markets are held. The dome is just south of the square and frequently patronized by some of the wealthiest and most influential people in all of Lushik, many of whom stood in opposition to Jafar, it is worth emphasizing. It was also here that terror struck one bright auburn tag morning. What happened was this. High in the sky above Lashik, a pair of flying carpets fluttered into existence, all but appearing out of nowhere. They circled high above the city on shimmering warm thermals until, at last, they came close enough to the dome to act. As they came nearer, many in the morning market in the nearby square stopped and pointed, but no one suspected what was to happen next. From the top of each, a man in the garb of a sorceress stood, heaving up a large stone jar high before throwing it down below. Both of the two heavy containers hurtled through the air before crashing into the golden dome itself and lodging tight into it. The shocked onlookers then watched in horror as the two sorcerers raised up their arms and began to chant. At their words, the two jars began to burn, slowly giving off sulfurous fumes until they suddenly both shattered. And out from their depths burst forth a pair of enormous fire ifrits. As they burst forth from their confinement, the smashed roof of the Golden Dome started to melt around them, and great rivulets of liquid gold began to pour downwards. At the beginning of the disturbance, some of the bodyguards of the important dignitaries within the Dome had already come outside to see what was going on. But with the eruption in the Dome's roof and the manifestation of the two jinn, this trickle of people leaving became a mad flood. Everybody rushing for the exit, the strong pushing over and trampling the weak. But it did them no good. The first out were the first into the fiery embrace of the Ifrits, who loomed over the dome's entrance and gleefully poured fire over the people escaping. Those who held back were either killed by collapsing masonry, melted by burning gold, or asphyxiated by the smoke. It was a bedlam, both in and around the shining dome of Lashik. Och, what a hideous thing. Who, who was behind it? Ah, well, there are in fact competing theories with regards to that. But there's more to this story 
and perhaps the uh, response, aftermath and actions of those in power will give you an idea of what was really going on and who was really pulling the strings. Members of the nearby Royal Harim Guard were quick to respond. Some helping to evacuate passers-by and any survivors who had managed to flee. Others attempting to quench the fires that were springing up around the dome, whilst the remainder faced down the two jinn themselves. This did not go so well, though. The jinn poured their fiery malice onto the men who opposed them, burning some alive with their white-hot fists, incinerating others with plumes of flame, and smashing yet more to a pulp with lumps of stone pulled from the dome's outer wall. Once the scalding smoke and black debris clouds had settled, the two jinn hovered over a scene of smoking, bloody carnage. However, this is not the end of this tale. By now, the whole area was deserted, apart from the dead, the dying, and the jinn. Into this crucible of death came a new player, though. Jafar, the black-hearted. Jafar, the exile. Jafar, the murderer. Jafar, the deceiver. Jafar, the humbler of Lashik. But more important than all these titles came Jafar, the sorcerer. He strode purposefully towards the jinn, his black robes whipping about him like the feathered wings of some dark angel. And he was not alone. Behind Jafar, leading a stout donkey, came the newly recruited Mehemet Bey, a large, ornate shield strapped to his left arm and his scimitar sheathed at his waist. Attached by ropes to the mule's back were two large stone amphorae, the aperture of each uncorked and open. Upon spying the strange trio, the pair of jinn began to laugh as they drew towards them. <laughs> come, come to me, my children, Jafar said as he climbed up onto the walled lip of a nearby well and raised his arms up high in defiance. The nearest of the jinn lunged at the sorcerer, burning clawed hands intent on squeezing the very life out of the interloper. At the same moment, the second jinn sent a gout of fire hurtling towards Mohammed Bey and the donkey. The black lizard reacted as his new master had taught him and crouched down behind the magical shield he had been newly gifted. The flames struck, but instead of engulfing Mehmet Bey, they became wisps of blue smoke that spiraled away harmlessly. 
The uh, donkey was uh, not so lucky, though. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jafar stood unmoving as the first jinn reached for him. He did not flinch. He did not even blink. That was until he was within a hair's breadth of being taken. Suddenly, a hot zephyr of wind spiralled around the sorcerer and he was whipped away in an instant to appear moments later behind the ifrit. The djinn spun about him and looked for the sorcerer, but it was already too late. Jafar stared deep into the eyes of the elemental as he gesticulated towards the well he had been stood upon and suddenly... A geyser of white water erupted up and outwards, engulfing both the djinn in its embrace. At that very instant, Jafar called upon the powers of the earth to transform the skin of Mehmet Bey to be as hard as stone, preserving him from the explosion of superheated water. Both creatures immediately became miasmas of boiling steam, but the sorcerer was not yet done. Jafar once more called upon the powers at his command, and a quintet of desert spirits rose up from the nearby sandy thoroughfares to engulf the two jinn in a swirling cloud of choking sand and dust and drive them towards the two empty amphorae that lay beside the fallen mule. The disorientated jinn were swiftly corralled into the empty vessels and, once the jinn had been driven inside, the impervious Mohammed Bey leapt forwards and stopped them, sealing the jinn within. Their shouts and curses, the only thing that escaped their imprisonment, puncturing the air like the spit crack of fatty flesh melting away on an open fire. With further disaster averted, Jafar clicked his fingers, and the desert spirits returned from whence they'd come, leaving the sandstorm they'd created to harmlessly drift to the ground about the sorcerer. Jafar surveyed his handiwork and smiled. What? So Jafar was a hero? <laughs> Not exactly. In the aftermath, the blame for the attack fell upon the order of fakirs upon the sorcerer's islands, and Jafar volunteered to end this threat to the safety of the people of the Sheikh. The Sultan gave the endeavour his full blessing and support, as of course he did. But uh, it's also worth pointing out, though, that many of the voices who probably would have opposed the proposed invasion were the victims of the attack on the dome itself. Ark, so it would appear that the, uh, the sorcerers were the perpetrators of this attack. But uh, the way that you're telling it now, Septimus, it seems like uh, well, there's some doubt upon this particular take 
Indeed, they always denied it. Not that that helped them. The scholars I knew back in Nuln believed that the attack was planned by Jafar himself and carried out by members of his own cabal of fakirs, giving him the opportunity to both cast himself as the saviour of the city and give him a pretext to attack the Sorcerer's Islands with both the backing and help of Lashik's elites. Ach, and I'll say it again, he was a crafty one. Indeed. And finally, so it was that, uh, well, less than three months later, he and Mohammed Bey climbed aboard the flagship of an armada of Corsair ships. At the same time, the artisans of Lashik began the rebuilding of the Shining Dome with a large golden sculpture of Jafar casting down the Ifrits at its heart. Jafar could do no wrong.